Hi there, Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast review of the 2017 film, The Dark Tower. I've mentioned before I was a big Stephen King fan growing up because of my mom. She was in this hardback book club and gave me Carrie and The Shining and Salem's Lot and and Pet Cemetery and all the early Stephen King novels. I read the hardback versions and I was really into them at a young age. I didn't find his stuff incredibly scary because I was already seeing movies that had scared me, but I liked the characters and that everything felt real and the small towns and all that. that that's what I, and I, and I liked the supernatural aspect and a lot of Stephen King stuff was unexplained or going to other worlds and that kind of thing. So long story short, I did read The Dark Tower when it first came out, followed that series when I was younger, but I haven't reread it over the years and I really need to. I really, really enjoy the tale of the gunslinger and the man in black and all that and how it kind of brought in other Stephen King property. This kind of runs through. It's a thread that kind of goes through all the Stephen King universe, mythology. It all kind of relates. And so for a long time, there had been talk of a movie or a miniseries or something. And over the years, especially back in the 90s, uh, when adaptations of things weren't very good. Nobody really wanted this adapted. And in the early 21st century, I know J.J. Abrams was attached to it for years. I know Damon Lindelof was taking a stab at it, but he didn't really want to because it's one of his favorite books. And eventually it got in the hands of Ron Howard and Universal Pictures, and they were trying to do a movie or they thought about doing a series. And, And then eventually Sony got the rights And Sony used a script that had been worked on by the J.J. Abrams team for quite some time and radically rechanged it, uh, rewrote it, made made some major changes. Um, And if you're a fan of the series of books, me even talking about the movie probably sends chills up your spine because this is one of those adaptations where they did the thing you never want them to do with books. Take a whole bunch of books and put them into one movie. I mean... (laughs) They covered the plots of several of the Dark Tower series in one 90-minute movie. How is that even possible to do all? You know Stephen King. <laughs> He's got many characters and subplots and every all these other things going on in the background. How can you get that richness in 90 minutes of screen time? You can't. It can't be done. So... This is one of those adaptations that stands apart instead of trying to be, well, like the upcoming Dune. They've split the first novel of the series of novels into two movies to do the book justice. And this is an adaptation that hopefully book fans will be a fan of. But the idea with this Sony movie was to do more of an adaptation and make it a property, make it a franchise, you know. And with that aspect, I think they did a marginally okay job. Watching the movie... It's funny during the whole COVID situation, I'm a person who likes to watch new movies. I'm just like new music. I need that constant influx of new art uh, to make me happy, to interest me, to engage my brain, whatever. But during COVID, there's not as much stuff coming out, and I'm just not a fan of watching bad things. So I'm going back and rewatching some of the things I own. And because a lot of my stuff is in storage, um, I have about 3,000 movies on Blu-ray and 4K. Finally got rid of all those DVDs. Um, but I still will go to Vudu, which has almost 800 of my digital copies on there, and iTunes has a few, and, and so on and so forth. So I was scrolling through my Vudu, and I'm like, this movie, 
I did not see it in the theater because it got such bad reviews. I did not buy it when it first came out on home video because it got such bad reviews. But I was I was going through Best Buy one day. This was several years ago. And the Steelbook 4K was incredibly cheap. I mean, like $12 or something like that. And I'm like, well, for that, just to have this really cool Steelbook and to watch it in 4K the way it's intended, I'll, I'll go 12 bucks, okay. So, and it does look fantastic, by the way, in 4K. Um, good use of HDR. Um, I didn't look up to see if it was native 4K. It's Sony 20, 2017. Probably should have been. If it was an upconvert, it was probably because of the special effects. But, um, so I've had it in the library. And I watched it, and I said, well, I don't hate it, but I see the problems. I mean, you instantly see the problems in the first 20 minutes, uh, especially if you're a fan of the books. But even if you're not, if you're a fan of movies, it just moves a little fast. It's a little disjointed. It just kind of pops around, and it feels like there is more to the story that's been cut out. And I'm not saying that just because I've read the books. It Literally watching it now, I'm far removed from the books, and I'm far removed from my first watch of the film. And I watch a lot of other movies. So, And I've been watching a lot of other movies. So to watch this one, certain things jumped out. I think this movie was probably two to two and a half hours long when the director finished it. And now it's 90 minutes. It just feels like there are sections where they cut to something. And I'm like, well, you almost didn't realize, well, there was more to this. You know, there had to be. And they've streamlined the story so that it's a simple story of the three main characters, basically. I think Matthew McConaughey did a great job as the man in black. He wasn't what I envisioned when I originally read the books. He's not what I pictured with... Well, he's he is actually a little bit more of what I pictured with Randall Flagg. In the Stephen King universe, the man in black is kind of also Randall Flagg from The Stand, which is getting made into an epic series, miniseries that's coming. And... He does, I guess, watching this, I got more Randall Flagg off the Men in Black because I had a different vision when I was reading reading the original books. But I think he does a good job. He, he definitely doesn't play his typical character. Uh, from his accent to his mannerisms, he's just different, and, and that's a good actor. Um, not the perfect Man in Black, but I thought he did a really good job. Um, the name is escaping me. Taylor, the, the guy that plays Justin. Um, yeah, his name is escaping me, but he did a good job as the kid, I thought, and I can't say enough great things about Idris Elba. He's great in every movie he's in, and he was a perfect gunfighter. He just, I really liked him as the gunfighter, that being said. Um, I just feel that the movie is missing a few things. It just feels like it moves too fast, and at the end, you're just not completely invested. There's a couple scenes to show you how great the gunfighter is. There's a couple scenes to show you what the kid is capable of. There's quite a few scenes to show what the man in black, he's actually in the movie as much as anybody else in the movie. Um, But there are things I really like about the movie. The scenery, uh, where they shot the movie, the cinematography, the acting... It feels like the book, the locations, when he gets to this other world, I don't want to call it a planet because they're calling it worlds, but it's basically another planet, um, there's like a broken down amusement park Pennywise, you know, and the little references and things that you catch being a Stephen King fan, they're very well done in this film. Also, the special effects are very, very well realized from the portals to the different worlds to the to the wood demon guard demon that was in the house to to some of the other more fantastical things. It's very much rooted in reality. Uh, There's not a whole lot of green screen. They're actually shooting in locations. That was great. Um, But when there are special effects, they're, they're very good. Sony spent the money on the movie. So the movie 
was made for like $66 million and went on to make $111, $112 million. Not a huge runaway success, but enough movie that it enough money that it made its money back. So we heard while this movie was being made that they were going to do like a, a TV series. And at first we thought it was going to be a TV series with these actors, you know, from the movie. And that was originally an idea that was discussed, but then the TV series was going to be a reboot. Uh, this was in uh, 2018. They confirmed that they were going to be working on the TV series and they were writing scripts and, and shopping things around and whatever. And, but it, wouldn't, it would be more of a reboot with new actors playing the characters. Okay, well, either way. In January of this year, Amazon decided to pass on the pilot, and, and they have been shopping the scripts and, and things. Uh, I don't know if the pilot has been fully filmed, but Amazon decided to pass on the pilot scripts, and, and now they're shopping it around to other places. So we don't know that the series is going to take off now. <clears throat> It's funny to look at these things. We talked about these things in 2017 and 2018 when the movie wasn't doing well and everybody was talking about the property, but now in 2020, nobody's really talking about it. So I did a little research, and they did an interview with uh, Stephen King on Collider, and he is pushing for a sequel to the movie to bring back Elba, McConaughey, and Taylor and all the original actors that survived and base a lot of it on Dark Tower 2, the drawing of the three make it R-rated, do it correctly, because they've set up a pretty good mythology. And that reading that this morning, now everything, yeah, it, it kind of sets better in my mind. As a fan of the books, I think The Dark Tower is a terrible adaptation. As a movie based on the books that's trying to do its own thing, it's okay. You know, the movie should not have been, it feels like it was re-edited. It just, it just feels like it's shorter than it needs to be. It could have been a little longer. Things would have had more power and import if if it had been a little more fleshed out, a little longer. Scenes take a little, you know, a little bit more with the character. Just a little more. There just seems to be missing. But I didn't hate it, and I would pull it out again and watch it at some point because it is a very efficient movie. It's less than 90 minutes. It moves fast. You're never bored. You're going from one thing, one scene, one world, a set of characters to another um, quickly. It moves very fast. Everybody does great in the movie. The special effects are good. I wish it was a better movie so I could wholeheartedly say, go watch this now and put it in your collection. But if it's streaming and you haven't watched it yet and you have a passing interest in Stephen King stuff, this is more of a fantasy, epic fantasy tale. It's not really a horror story, although it has the threads of all that Stephen King stuff in it. I guess... I guess when you're dealing with a character, the man in black, who is basically the devil, it kind of is a horror story. But it feels more like... I don't know, like an epic fantasy of a young man realizing he's part of a bigger world. And so with that being said, The Dark Tower, I marginally recommend to people who are interested in seeing a weird adaptation of source material that took a lot of source material into a very short movie, or maybe just as a movie that you don't really know all the connections and you just want to enjoy the performances in the movie thereof. It's a little brief. I would like it to be deeper. It would be a better film, but... You know, it misses the mark, but I've watched a lot worse lately, a lot worse movies. And watching it, watching it now, two, three years later, yeah, time will be a little kinder to this thing, especially if they pull a good sequel out of it. Then it will be, you know, maybe we'll get a director's cut or some extended version of this original version. But I do recommend going to read the books. It is a great mythology. It is dense and thick and enjoyable and relates to all the other... If you're a Stephen King fan who's read his other books, then you know what I'm talking about. It is just... It is like a smorgasbord of Stephen King 
through the lens of this fantasy story that relates all the worlds and all the books and all this everything that's happened before. It's 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 really well done and interesting, but arguably better than things like The Stand, which has stood the test of time as one of my favorite King works. It's epic, that super long version he released when back in the day when George Romero was working on making a version of The Stand. Um, I have a paperback book version of the complete, that was when it was like 850 pages or whatever, and it says, soon to be a major motion picture from George A. Romero. It's on the front cover in print, not a sticker, and that movie never happened. That's, uh, wow, that's one of those things I just want to keep in the collection. But there is a new big-budget miniseries version of The Stand coming. I hope it's really good because I'm a fan of Stephen King works, and the movies and shows have been hit or miss over the years. There's some real classics, and then there's some stuff that, that are really bad, and then there's stuff in the middle. And I would put The Dark Tower in the middle as a good attempt at doing something different with the source material, but didn't quite come together as you would want it to and certainly doesn't appease the book fans. So... A cautious recommendation if you're interested in this kind of thing. And I'll pretty much watch anything that Idris Elba is in. That's just me. I'm Scott Hamilton. I'm Rockfile. The links to all my other things are below. Thank you so much for listening and taking time out of your day to subscribe to these podcasts. Wherever you are listening to them, I, I couldn't appreciate it more. Wouldn't be here without you. Without you.